Welcome to The Dwelling Place, where three friends talk about approachable home design and our never-ending search for the perfect rug. So whether you're doing laundry or the dishes, join us in a conversation about making our home a beautiful dwelling place. If you ever stood in front of the paint section at your local home improvement store and felt completely overwhelmed, this episode is for you. We're talking about how to choose paint colors for your home and sharing some pillow talk as always. All right, so I'll start with highs and lows this week. My high is that Jude is potty trained. And I'm just like so excited because I've been dreading it, like really dreading it. And the night before, it's really funny. Have you guys ever had like those stress dreams where you like are stressed out about something and then you just like dream about a bad thing happening pertaining to that? (laughs) The night before I was going to potty train, I had a dream that Jude came in here and peed all over the rug. (laughs) (laughs) And it just like, it did not go even remotely as bad as I was like thinking it was going to. I did do like a hardcore like boot camp method of potty training where you block out like a week of your time and you just stay home with your kid and you have them strip from the bottom down. Like you can see when they pee and then you can see their like little cues, you know, when they do their pee pee dance or, you know, whatever. So it was very hardcore, but the first day was really only the bad day. After the first really? day, he got it like, yeah, he got it so quickly. And I think it was because he had no pants and no underwear or diapers, which was really crazy. Cause by the second day he was telling me when he had to go and I was like, whoa, okay, here we go. This is cool. He has had some accidents here and there, but it's mostly when he's like playing with other kids. So he's not thinking about it and he wants to put it off because he's playing. This method that I did was from this book, which I recommend it's called oh crap potty training (laughs) and she recommends like you really only need to do the no pants or the no like the bottomless clothing (laughs) you only need to do that she says one to three days depending on how they are he only did it for two days because he was asking me I knew he wouldn't like not having pants on so thankfully it was like the best weather of the I think since you know spring has started it was the week that had the best weather so we were outside a lot and I was like thank you god thank you god (laughs) yeah by the third day he had pants on and we had people over and he he did great that's my high my low is well (laughs) I kind of can connect the two because the very first day I was like, I'm going to leave my rugs out. It'll be okay. My dining room rug, my Leloy in my dining room, I had left that out, put my gather mat underneath his high chair. So when he sat, like if he peed, like it would go on the gather mat. Well, I didn't put the gather mat far enough underneath. And so the yes. very first day, the very first, like had to learn how to pee. <laughs> without having a diaper on he was sitting eating breakfast and it just started going and it went on my Leloy and I was like no so I was like you know what I'm stressed out about this so I'm just pulling all the rugs up I'm gonna roll them all up and put them away and I just had was so less stressed except the only rug that I didn't put away was my living room rug because you guys know I'm getting a new living room rug (laughs) so My low is that I wanted to tell you guys is that this living room rug that I'm supposed to be getting, I still don't have it. It's now (laughs) April. I looked, I think I told you guys this like last week. 
that I was looking on Wayfair and it says now that it's not back in stock till June 15th. Well, I just went back again and now it's saying June 25th. So it's like, it back. And I'm like, what, what is wrong? Like why? (laughs) And also why didn't they get prepared? Like they should have known ahead of time that this line would have gone nuts. (sighs) So that's the low is, I mean, Jude didn't pee on my rug that I have right now, thankfully, (laughs) but I just don't like it anymore. And I want my new rug and it's been like five months. And now I'm starting to get worried that I'm not going to like it when it comes (laughs) You have to, you have to like it. I know it's just crazy. So anyway, that's my high and low. My high is that our next door neighbors had a play set in their front yard, which was kind of a really weird place for a play set to be. Over the course of the three years that we've lived here, I've never seen any kids playing on it. And I've always kind of in the back of my mind thought about like, I wonder if they would be willing to sell it to us because my boys have always loved it like Bennett will sneak into the neighbor's yard and play on it sometimes I'll catch him out there I knew they would love it but it is very large so my internal debate was I don't know if they would sell it and also I don't know if it would fit well in our yard just a couple weeks ago my neighbor came over and just asked if I would be interested in buying it And so I measured it out and then measured it out in our yard, like how much space it would take up. And then I drew up this whole sketch on our iPad of like how it would be placed and how we would arrange, you know, the rest of the yard around it and everything. And so we bought it for $200, which is a pretty good deal for a place of this size, I feel like. That was the high. The low part of that was taking it apart (laughs) because... That was quite an endeavor. Like I tried to start working on it myself and I got like one little lug nut thing off and that was it. Brian had to be involved. And then we took apart most of it together in one evening, but we didn't quite get the base of it. It's really a process because everything's connected. And with only two of us, we had to make sure like somebody was there to catch, you know, whatever end is loose and like lift it down together and be somebody had to be up on a ladder. And so we got it all taken apart and down and moved to our backyard. But before we could get it reassembled, it snowed. So that was a bummer. So now I still have all the parts all over the backyard and trying to keep the boys out of them. It didn't only snow. It like was a massive blizzard. (laughs) Yeah. Once Brian gets back from the trip that he's on, I'm hopeful we'll be able to get it reassembled. Some wood has to be replaced because it's kind of rotten out because it's been up for a long time. So we'll have to replace some wood. But I've been saving all kinds of ideas on Pinterest for ways to refinish it and repaint it and make it all cute. And so I'm really excited about it. Yeah, I can't wait to see how you transform it. And that really is such a good price. My low for the week was, as mentioned, random freak blizzard that came through in the middle of April. Like, what the heck? We live in the boonies, as we've established this. So we have a lot of mature trees around our yard. We had so much snow come on these massive pine trees. You know, in the wintertime, all the sap freezes. So the branches are stronger and can handle the weight of heavy snow. 
Well, the sap was flowing and these branches were just draped down everywhere and snapping off left and right. So our backyard looks like a bomb went off because we have so many massive branches down. We have this huge old apple tree in our field that we wanted to take out anyways. And that thing just completely bent over, tipped over. The whole thing is just laying on its side now. So we wow. have an absolute mess to clean up. And we remember I was just talking about my elbow and how it had been hurting from so much yard work. Yeah, we're back to ground zero again. Like all the work that Kurt and I had done on our yard, like trying to get all these little sticks and pine needles up. Is just out the window. We might as not as well have done it. <laughs> yeah. You totally just taught me something because I was trying to figure out because one of our beautiful juniper trees, like seven limbs just snapped off, just like you were talking about. And I'm like, why? Like it's snowed like this before and been really heavy. So why is this so different? But it's because the sap, did you just come up with that on your own or did somebody tell you? I did not know. I, I just connected the dots. So that's like brilliant. That makes a lot of sense why so many trees just snapped. And as a result of this ginormous storm, that caused us to lose power. So we lost power at 630 in the morning. And of course, both boys, their sound machines turned off. So we were ready to start our day at 630. And my husband and I are like, no. (laughs) And it felt like olden times. You know, there's nothing we can do or put on. I don't realize how much I use Spotify during the day just to have like music going on in the background. So the boys are like, can we listen to music? I'm like, sorry, don't have anything. But thankfully, it was only out from 6.30 to 11 p.m. that same day. However, like all of our friends and family were still out for like four days total. And so our house is one of the few that got power back, even though we lived in the boonies. (laughs) But my high is we have been like trying to stock up on like food and I've been learning how to make sourdough bread and That's been really, really fun for me. So I already had like this skill of sourdough. So I was still able to make bread. And one of the things that I made recently were my sourdough bagels. And you guys, these are the best bagels on the face of the planet. They're so delicious. (laughs) What's beautiful. So I'll post some videos to story so you guys could see because I kind of filmed the whole thing. But I was really glad in that moment, especially with having the storm, like I had already set aside just a jug of water to keep on hand. So we already had drinking water and I already have prepped a little bit. So it was so nice to just be like, okay, I'll make spaghetti because we have our propane stove and we have a generator and it was quite the adventure. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. We lost power for just like two hours in the middle of the night and we didn't really realize it until Jude started crying because his sound machine also went off. And I told Ryan, I was like, this next kid, we are getting, we do the hatch. I don't know if you guys have heard of that sound machine, but I was like, we're getting the hatch plus because that one is battery operated. (laughs) and This will never happen again. (laughs) I'm the only one that didn't lose power. We never lost power at all, which was really nice. Like today I was out at a couple different stores and people at both checkouts asked like, oh, did you lose power? Like, nope. And like, oh, you're lucky. (laughs) So many people were out. It's the middle of April. This, we're supposed to have April showers, not snowstorms. 
right? Well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to talk about how to choose paint colors. So today we're going to talk about how to choose paint colors. My first tip is to choose a color scheme for your entire home and really consider what kind of mood you want and what kind of feelings you want the colors to evoke in your whole home. I don't know about you guys, but as a first time home owner or even actually before owning a home for the first time, when renting different places that I was allowed to paint in, I kind of did the thing where you paint every room a different color. Yep. <laughs> yep. And then you end up with just like a rainbow house where like nothing goes together at all. I remember like my mind was completely blown when I had to go about painting our first home like pretty slowly and gradually. We got rid of the worst colors first and then a color scheme kind of emerged and I was amazed when, oh, I can actually move throw pillows around and like swap things from different rooms because it has a unified color scheme that kind of runs throughout the whole house. It's not like this bedroom is bright yellow and the kitchen is bright red and the bedroom is sky blue. That's a true story based on one <laughs> yeah. house I lived in. And the bathroom was brown. Like, uh, yeah, not good. <laughs> Never paint your bathroom brown or yellow. It was a disaster. <laughs> so when you actually pick a color scheme for your whole house, it's really nice because you can move things from room to room. Everything kind of ties together. It has a good flow. It feels really unified. And it all just works together to create the feeling that you want, whether that's a really serene, calm, cool kind of environment, or if you want it to be more energetic and invigorating, or, you know, just really cozy and warm feeling. Like you can achieve those different feelings all through color and tying your color scheme all together is a great way to do that. When I'm looking for a color scheme, I like to go on Pinterest and type in like color schemes with blue and then a lot of different color palettes will come up. So they'll show you your main color and then possible accent colors that will go with it. And you can find them where they'll have like an inspiration picture and then they'll have pulled out what the main colors are from that picture. That's a really good way I found to put together a whole color scheme. One thing about the Googling an image with the name of that specific paint color, a lot of times they will have an image at daytime and at nighttime. And for me, that was really, really helpful when, especially like you're trying to figure out undertones and stuff, which we will get into. If you're looking at 10 different samples of gray, they had this image of like them in the daytime and then in the nighttime, and they look completely different. So it's really helpful to see how those paint colors look in other people's spaces. If they have lots of natural light or if it's artificial light, like those things all affect the paint color. I think along those lines is when you think about the different rooms, you think about like, well, in my bedroom, I'm really only in here at night. So I should pick a color that's, that I like during the nighttime, you know, as opposed to something that I love during the day, but that I'm never in here during the day, you know, something like that. That was the main problem when I painted our master bedroom pink. 
I loved the way that that pink looked in the daytime because it was really light and really pale and almost like a warmish white. But at night, it looked really pink. And ultimately, that's why I had to paint it back to white because I couldn't handle how it looked at night. (laughs) So one other thing on that with Pinterest, you can look up a specific paint and see pictures of it in other people's homes too, which is really helpful. Back when I was looking for a particular navy paint, I typed in a bunch of different search terms for navy blues until I kept finding pictures of rooms that had navy blue that was a color I liked. And then I could click through and read the blog posts, etc., and find out what they were. So I kept seeing that Hail Navy by Benjamin Moore was coming up over and over again. And so that's how I decided that that was probably the navy blue to go with because it had it's a very dark navy blue with some black to it it's almost a blackish blue more on the black side than on the blue side so that's another great tip is just being able to gather inspiration and look at different pictures and then see what common threads you find and then investigate those further and then you can figure out what the paint color name is and then take it from there Yeah, another way that you could also find your color scheme that I've heard of people doing, I personally, well, I suppose I kind of do this, but if you look in your closet and you see what you wear, it often can be an insight to what you'd love in your home. Like I do have a lot of neutrals in my closet. So it makes sense that I like to paint my walls in those same like earth tones, muted neutrals, that kind of stuff. So that's another way if you're just starting from like, what's my color scheme going to be? Just look in your closet and see what's like popping out a lot to you, you know, and then maybe go to Pinterest and type them in the different colors and like doing the things that you guys are talking about. Number two is any color can look good in the right tone, muted versus saturated. I was actually thinking about this when Emily, you were saying like all of us had the houses that were like the rainbow houses. Like I definitely had the yellow kitchen. It was green and black bathroom. And it was like this like bright avocado, olivey green. Like, I don't even know. Hmm. Yeah, a purple purple and red living room. Oh. <laughs> An orange and brown bedroom. And my dining room was blue and brown. Back. Wow. You like really didn't leave anything out. Yeah. In the whole spectrum of color. <laughs> really did not. And it's funny though, because when you look at like, we love to say Chris loves Julia, but you look at her house, like her probably more so her last house I think this house too actually she's going really crazy with colors which colors are definitely coming back in but she keeps all of even though each room may be a different color she's keeping them all within the same like saturation and mutedness (laughs) so they still are like flowing together because they all are that same muted tone I'm not sure if that makes sense to people, I don't know how I could better describe it. Do you guys have a better way to describe like the mutedness of color? Tone of a color refers to how much white or how much black is in it, right? Or is that the shade? There's technical terms. There's a difference between tone and shade. One leans more primary colors. So something that is more saturated and bright, think like a fire engine red, that would be really, really bright. However, if you go for a more muted red, you're going to be taking out that brightness and it's going to be a little bit more muddy. A tone is pure pigment with gray added that creates different tones. Okay. Then a tint 
is a pure pigment with white added. So that's going to be lighter. Tints are lighter. And then a shade is the pure pigment with black added. So it's going to be darker. So I think Crystal of Julia does a lot of tones of colors, wouldn't you say? She does the more muted, like the muddy versions. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's either got gray or black in it that's giving it that kind of muddy shade tone. As the listeners can tell, we are learning as we go. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, basically what I'm trying to say is you can have different rooms with different colors, but you need to keep them all within the same tones or mutedness. And then it will feel more cohesive as opposed to my, you know, eggplant purple living room and then my bright orange. Like it just didn't make sense. Like eggplant purple was more muted, but then the orange was like this bright orange. Like the point is like having all the same mutedness and tone. Right. Like not mixing primary with pastel. Yeah. Number three is a very, very, very important point that everybody needs to pay attention to. Buy a good quality paint. Now, I know sometimes you have to work within your budget and that's fine, but there's different levels of quality of paint and that will make a big, big difference when you are painting in the product that you get. So if you're going to Walmart, it's not going to be as good quality of paint as something that Benjamin Moore carries. And Benjamin Moore for me is the brand that I always go to because it's consistent in the consistency. It covers so, so well. It's not drippy and runny. And if you have too thin of a paint, it's going to drip down. And then that means you have to add even more paint because it's streaky. So when you have a better, thicker quality of paint, that is going to cover, you're going to get more bang for your buck. And it's going to require less money because you're going to need less paint and it's going to be done quicker. Buy a good quality paint is very, very important. Well, and as you're saying that, you can buy other brands that have really cheap paint, but they have different levels. One paint that I've used in the past is Bare from B-E-H-R from Home Depot. And there's a like a really bottom line Bare and then there's Bare Ultra Plus. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it costs more. Again, it costs more because it's good quality. So I agree. I like Benjamin Moore the best. I, I would say I've never been able to try Pharaoh and Ball because me neither. I would love to. Their colors are gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Does is it sold around in our area? Like where would we even get it? Yeah, I didn't There's know. actually a store in um by the IKEA in New Jersey. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. I think you have to basically special order it or something though to get it in our area, right? Yeah, I don't even know. You can order online. Just because we have a local store that sells Benjamin Moore, that's just what I've done. I haven't tried PPG either, but apparently they're like incredible. Yeah, Uh, I read an article not too long ago. It was either in like Better Homes and Gardens or something like that, where they compared brands of paint across a different spectrum. Actually, I think it was Good Housekeeping. They compared different brands and they were looking to see what was the best value for price. And so they're looking at like how many coats it took to get a very good cover and how far the paint would go in a room and all kinds of different factors, like, I guess, like how stain resistant it was and all these other things. And the winner that they determined was the Bear Marquee brand. 
But they did say, like, if I'm remembering right, there were some brands that were higher rated in certain areas and other brands that were lower in others. So, like, if you need a brand that has a really good matte paint, then maybe you need, you know, a different brand than somebody who just needs eggshell. There are a lot of different factors, but it was a really good article. So I'll try to find it and put a link to it in the show notes. So number four is to sample, 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 sample. Get plenty of samples. Don't be afraid to get as many samples as you need and paint nice big patches on your wall where you can see it in different lighting, different angles, and get a really good idea of what one looks the best. Yeah. One thing with that sample thing, it's so important, especially with whites in my living room. There's lots of different factors when it comes to picking your paint. You have to get that paint in your space and on your walls because I put three different samples on there. One looked like a smoker yellow and all these are white. One looked like primer and then the middle one, which is Chantilly Lace by Benjamin Moore. That in my home looked pretty middle of the road. But I am so glad because I was going to go with Simply White, which I think you have, Kimmy? Yeah, I have it. In your living room. And that looked like a smoker's house in in my living room just because of the different factors. Like I have a lot of trees outside. So even stuff outside your house is going to affect how it looks inside. So get big and many samples all over the house. I totally agree with that because I actually did Chantilly lace in my studio. And then I was planning because I, I painted my studio before I painted my great room area. And so I was going to do Chantilly lace, but it looked totally blue in my space, like way too blue. And I was like, whoa, Hmm. (laughs) it just felt cold and didn't warm up my space at all. So then I tried Simply White, but I actually have a long story about that because I actually hated it when I, it was one of those things, like I painted my whole great room, Simply White. And then I looked back and I just started crying and I was like, it's yellow. It's so yellow. And I had to like warm up to it, (laughs) pun intended, Um, which I think I'm okay with it now. I think if I were to go back and do it, I'd do Swiss coffee instead by Benjamin Moore. But it's one of those things that it was like, not buyer's remorse, but painter's remorse. Cause I just painted so much. And when I saw it all to, cause I did samples, but when I saw it all, I was like, Ugh. <laughs> what did I do? I don't know if you guys ever had that after painting like a whole room and you're like, cause sometimes it, that just happens. Even how much you sample, you still don't fully know until like the room is completely painted and then you may have to repaint and guys, it's just like hair. It grows back. (laughs) (laughs) So many people, if they run into this, they're like, Oh, well, I just got to live with it. Like, no paint is not that expensive. Take the extra time. This is your space. Like you want to love it. Don't just live with it. Like love it. It's worth the extra time and the extra couple gallons of paint to change the color. Don't live with it just because you did it. It's okay to paint it. Even two days after you painted your walls, it's fine. Except Mm. I'm living with it. But this is the thing. It's my entire great room, including my built-ins. I do not have time to do that again yet. (laughs) But I don't hate it. I think it looks fantastic. All right. Well, that makes me feel good. (laughs) I probably tried at least six different samples of different shades of pink 
before deciding on one. And it looks amazing downstairs in the living room. And it looks terrible upstairs in the bedroom, which is directly above the living room on the second floor. It was a similar thing where I was kind of talking myself into it the whole way and then finished the whole room and then was like, uh, I don't know if this is going to work. But I decided to live with it for a while. And so we did. Yeah. Ultimately, when you know, usually, you know, just fix it sooner the better. Another tip we have for you guys is when you're trying to look at your paint chips, if you look at the bottom color on your paint chip of like five or six different colors, if you don't like that bottom color, good chances you're not going to like any of the colors in that paint strip. So if you, even if you're looking for something really, really pale and light, look at that bottom chip, because if it's like a cobalt blue and that's not the vibe you're going for, you're going something for more navy, like Emily was talking about, you got to take that in consideration. So find the bottom chip that you like and then go up from there. And if you have piece of paper, like pure white, hold that up to white in your space with the chips. Again, the outside factors, like the color that's on your wall now is going to change the look of that little pink chip. So if you can get some white paper and hold that up, that's also really going to help you. Yeah. And if you actually, when you're in the store looking at all the paint chips, I think often if you step all the way back and you like, say you're picking a white, you can tell what whites have yellow undertones, what have blue, what have green, you know, by looking at where they've placed it within all of the colors on the Mm -hmm. backdrop. You know what I mean? Like in the color display. Right. So that can also help guide like, oh, I don't want a yellow undertone white. That's another way to figure that out. Another thing about the paint samples is when you're looking in that strip, go one shade or even two shades lighter than what you're thinking of. Like, especially if you're doing a color, because once you get that color on the walls, it's going to look a lot darker. I've run into this time and time and again when trying to help people trying (laughs) and they just zero in on a color. They're like, that's the color I want. And I'll be like, well, you can do that, but that's going to be really, really bright or that's going to be really, really dark. Why don't you go a shade or two lighter? And sometimes they do that and sometimes they don't, um, but it shows when they don't. (laughs) And one thing my aunt actually does is she doesn't paint her ceiling white. She takes whatever color she's painting her walls and also paints the ceiling. And I am totally doing this the next time I paint a room. You cannot tell. It's crazy. As long as it's like a lighter color, it looks like the ceiling is a different color just because it's a different wall and you're looking at different angles. It's crazy. Have you girls done this? Yeah, my bedroom is actually all painted Swiss coffee. I actually really love it too because it just feels like it flows better, you know, instead of having pure white on the top. And then you don't have to worry about cutting in. I'm definitely doing it the next time I have to paint something white. I'm really glad I did it in the bathroom downstairs that I painted navy blue that I carried that through on the ceiling. It really made a big difference in there. The next time I need to paint a room a light color, I'm definitely going to try it. One thing with samples, have you guys heard about that website called Samplees? where you can get these peel and stick samples that are literally the paint, but they're like, I think they're really large, like they're 12 by 12 inches. You can just stick it on and move it. It doesn't mess with anything. I know they're probably a little bit more expensive, but I saw on their website that if you buy five, you get a six, three. So (laughs) (laughs) 
I just thought that was a really cool idea. That is a great resource. So tip number five is pay attention to the sheens. And this is really important. We should list the sheens real quick for everyone. So matte, flat, eggshell, satin, semi-gloss, gloss? Is there a super gloss? (laughs) (laughs) There might be a high gloss. Yeah, I think I've painted brick before, like a brick fireplace with high gloss. Okay. With your samples, a lot of stores have different sheens. So pay attention to that when you are picking up your samples, because a lot of times the samples are flat and a lot of people don't paint their walls flat. Usually it's like an eggshell. So pay attention when you are getting a sample that you're getting the correct sheen, because that can make a difference. I was thinking about that with the please because they don't have, it's all just one sheen as far as I could tell on their website. So that is something to pay attention. I think there's probably is like eggshell because I think that's the typical kind of sheen that people do on walls. But yeah, that is a really good tip. Flat paint, you cannot clean with a magic eraser. So if you're wanting something that has cleanability and you have kids, at least get an eggshell. And actually some areas I have done a semi-gloss because I have some Wayne's coating and on the bottom I had white and I did that in a semi-gloss because I have kids and that's where the high chair is and I need to be able to clean those walls (laughs) and if I had flat paint or matte paint like all bets are off like you would see streaks everywhere like I was just watching Kitty Cotton just painted oh my gosh guys I think I found the wallpaper for the nursery maybe Kitty Cotton just did wall did you see the wallpaper in her playroom I love it gorgeous She told me, or she didn't tell me, (laughs) real quick, she put in her Instagram, somebody was commenting on how different, like, her cabinets looked to her walls, and they were asking what the different paint colors were, and she was like, it's actually all Swiss coffee, but I just do different sheens. So, like, I think she said the cabinet is, like, more like a semi-gloss or something, and then the walls were, like, eggshell, but it looks different because of the different sheens crazy really jeans is such a big factor too and i don't think people pay enough attention to that it makes sense because how you perceive color is all about the light and how the light is reflecting off of it back into your eyes and the sheen affects that you know how people are doing like they're painting their rooms completely one color even the trim chris loves julia does a lot is she changing the sheen of the trim work yes i was thinking she probably did So the number six is to consider the undertones, lighting, flooring, and what's outside too. (laughs) It's a lot to consider. You've got sheens, you've got tones, you've got tints, shades, and now you have to consider all of these additional factors, but they all impact the way the color looks in your specific room on your specific wall. Kind of like how I mentioned before, like I painted the same shade of pink downstairs in my house and upstairs and it looked completely different and this has a lot to do with color theory which can be confusing but I think we've mentioned color theory before about like the color wheel and how certain colors complement and certain contrasting colors can bring those like tones out you don't want I actually think simply white does work in my house for the most part because my flooring has a yellow undertone. So when you pair simply white that has a yellow undertone with 
flooring that has a yellow undertone, you have them together, then they look more their true color they're supposed to be. Does that make sense? They complement each other instead of compete. Well, complementary colors would be like blue and yellow, right? Yeah. So what I was also going to say is that's why I like to decorate with blue in my living room because I feel like it complements with the yellow. Whereas when I tried that Laloy that is now in your bedroom, it looked like pink undertones because I have a yellow undertone floor and yellow undertone walls and yellow and red compete or contrast. The pink undertone of the rug or the red undertone, it made it look really pink instead of making it look really ivory and creamy. Does that make Mm -hmm. sense? Right. Mm -hmm. So in your house, because you had two yellow based things, they kind of canceled each other out. Right. That makes sense. Well, Brie, back to your living room. So you, you, you tried Simply White, which has yellow undertone. And to you, you said it looked like a smoker yellow, but the undertone itself, did it just like draw more of the yellow out? And why do you think, do you think maybe because you have a lot of reddish wood in your living room? Yeah, I have a lot of orangish, reddish wood in my space. Like my uh, fireplace is also red brick. And the outside elements are also, I have a lot of trees and grass, like I mentioned before, a lot of trees. And that really impacted how much it looked in my space. Like it looked very, very yellow. I'm just trying to compute like. So basically (sighs) what I'm trying to say is if you have yellow or blue in your house and you have something that's a yellow, like a white, that is a yellow undertone, it will look more white because it's not competing with anything flowing. If you have some, a yellow undertone white in a house that has a lot of red, like Bree's house, or what's the other one? Would it be purple? Then it will look more yellow. Like it will look more like the undertone than the neutral color it's supposed to be. Does that make sense? The Chantilly lace has more of a blue undertone. It does, but it also leans more towards a neutral, like true white. So sometimes it can have a little bit of a blue undertone, but in my space, it looked more like a true white. It it, like canceled it out. Well, I wonder if it kind of has a purpley blue. Because if it has a purpley blue, then being next to red brick, it would look more true white. Well, that would make more sense too in my house because my white area is all Chantilly lace. And I feel like my flooring is pretty reddish orangey. It's like on the red orange end. More red orange than yellow for sure. And I have a lot of pinks. The flooring color really drew out the pink in that rug. Right. But it looks really good with the Chantilly lace. So I wonder if Chantilly lace has more of a bluey purpley kind of undertone. And that's why it can work with the red undertones and pink colors. Exactly. And that's Mm -hmm. why in my space with my yellow undertone floor, the Chantilly lace looked more blue than white to Mm -hmm. me. Which is why it's important to do samples. Yeah. (laughs) If someone wanted a really cool, cold kind of blue color and they had yellow flooring, then Chantilly lace would be the one to go for. Probably Mm -hmm. more so than an actual blue, which would end up looking too blue in that space. Yeah. Yeah. You can use it to your advantage. Should we talk about priming, which is number seven? Yes. You guys, you have to prime. You have to prime. It's going to make your paint go on so much better. It's going to help give your walls something to cling to. One thing, especially if you've like patched in some holes in your walls from like picture frames and whatnot, 
and you use your tool and you patch it in and then you just paint on it, you're going to have what's called flashing. So the sheen is going to look different because your other walls either have primer on them already or another paint, but the spackle doesn't have that extra barrier on top of it. So the paint is going to get absorbed into it and you're going to notice where you patched your walls. So even if you patched a little thing, you have to prime in order for your paint to all look consistent and not to have these weird splotches all over your walls. So Emily, do you remember the Hail Navy wall? Is it, was it in your kid's room that you yep, did? Yeah. And you showed the picture and you're like, there are so many patches. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I'm always... Uh one to try to skimp and like cut corners on the painting process so I'm like oh one quick coat of primer maybe but if we're covering like in the boys room we were covering a lighter color with a really dark color so I thought like oh this is gonna be fine not fine definitely not fine I have to say when I repainted my bedroom so Ryan was actually telling me I told him what we were talking about tonight and he was telling me how embarrassed he was the time that I was painting my bedroom because my in-laws were over and I was still painting while they were here. And he had to tell them, he, they were like, oh, what color is Kimmy painting the bedroom? And he's like, a different shade of white. <laughs> and he just felt so dumb. He's like, I can't believe I just said that. Like that those words came out of my mouth that my wife is painting our room white again, but it's a different shade of <laughs> But anyways, what I was going to say about that was I didn't prime because the white in here was actually Chantilly lace. And then I was putting Swiss coffee over it. The one I got had a primer in it. So I feel like if you're doing something like that, I know Bree's making a face. You can't see it, but she is. You cannot tell if you come in here, you can't tell because it's white over white. In that instant. Yes. But if you're trying to cover something, you cannot get away with just the paint and the primer combo. Like you need to prime with an actual primer and then paint because, oh my word, especially dark colors, you're going to do five coats of gray if you're not priming properly or getting a good enough quality paint. So, and the primer is a lot cheaper than the paint. So you can do like what we'll usually do on Brian's insistence is at least two coats of primer because it is cheaper. So you get like two coats of primer on the wall. It's nice and thick and you have that really solid base and then you can do your painting and you'll end up using less paint. And it's going to look so much better. The paint guy for the Benjamin Moore paint, the store here in town that sells Dave. the paint. Dave, the paint guy. Yep, Dave. <laughs> He's great. He is. <laughs> We're all on a first name basis with Dave, the paint guy. <laughs> But I was asking him before we painted our house, like what base to go with for the Benjamin Moore paint, because they have a couple different options. So we had talked through like primers and bases and the paint that has the primer in it, et cetera. And he said he doesn't know how they can get away with calling it paint with the primer in it because it's just formulated completely differently from primer and it just functions completely differently. So yes. Preach, Dave. Yep. <laughs> Although I have to say, I told Dave what I was doing when I painted my bedroom. And he was like, yeah, you don't need to prime if you're doing white over white. So just saying there is exceptions. So number eight, I mentioned this before. It's only paint. Just like hair grows back when you get a bad haircut, it will be gone in a couple months. 
you know, you can just always repaint. That's okay. Sometimes you do need to paint as even if you do all the sampling, like I said before, you paint a whole room and you just don't like it. Or maybe you live with it for a few months and you're like, "Mm, this isn't really what I actually want. And that's okay. It's just part of the process. I don't know. I used to feel really bad about it if I needed to repaint. Now I know it's just part of the process. Sometimes you just got to do some trial and error and it is time consuming. That is the thing about painting. But as far as home improvement projects go, it is relatively inexpensive. It's just cost your time and sweat equity. So number nine, don't be afraid to take a phased approach too. You can have a phase one stage and then know that you're going to go back through at a later date and paint other colors. This I think is really helpful if you have a new home and you need to go through and paint everything before you move in. You don't have to have the perfect paint color palette fully picked out and everything solved in your mind. It is okay to say, okay, for phase one, we're going to go through and paint everything Chantilly Lace. We live in this space. We see how it looks with our furniture, our rugs, etc. Then decide, okay, this room, I'm actually going to do a different color and change it up then. I think that's a really good tip because I don't know if I necessarily follow this, but I think I'm going to try to incorporate it more. But a lot of designers say that painting should be the very last thing you do when you're designing a room because you want to see like the rug that you get in there, the furnishings that you get in there, maybe even like you found some art that's beautiful. And then you can kind of pick a paint color based on all of that and maybe pull a color from the rug or from the artwork or something like that. So I've never really done it that way, but I think it's a really good idea to do that. So doing a phase one where you just do a white, there's many different whites as we've talked about, (laughs) just pick a white and do it. And then you can kind of live in the space, start decorating it, and then figure out what color you want to do. Just like home renovations, which we've talked about before, a phase one, sometimes you have to live in the space. Like we are just talking about, like you don't know how your kitchen is going to function. Well, you might learn like Emily with the different lightings versus upstairs versus downstairs. So if you can get everything just in a, a neutral baseline and live in it, then you're going to jump off and say, oh, I really want this room to be green undertoned or a green color. And you wouldn't know that from living in it if you hadn't had that neutral baseline. Mm-hmm. And tip number 10 do not cheap out on your tools. There are very affordable tools that you can buy to make your life really, really easy. And they're going to last too. So having good quality rollers and also knowing what type of roller you need for a job, like do you need something that's a velour or a foam or a microfiber or like the fuzzy nap? That's more for textured walls where something that has a lower nap is going to be more for smooth walls. And try not to get like the super, super cheap ones. Like don't go to the dollar store and, and grab one because those aren't made as well. And you're going to have little fuzzies in your paint that are going to dry. Or if you buy really, really cheap brushes, you're going to have the bristles that come out and then you're going to have the fingerprints because you're trying to pick it out of the wet paint. Trust me, I've been there. It is a pain in the butt and you're just making more work for yourself. So get good quality brushes 
get good quality rollers. The one brush that I love and recommend to everybody is the Worcester brush. And it's like a little five inch brush. It's got a blue rubber handle that's made to fit into your hand. It's not too long because sometimes if you Mm -hmm. get a long handle brush, that's really hard to control. So this one has an angled bristles, fits really nicely in your hand. And it's really easy to get in those corners and to cut in close to the ceiling. One other thing I love to paint with is it's a special paint bucket that has this magnet in it. So you hold it. It's a little bucket. It's called the handy paint cup. And where you hold it, it has a special magnet for your short handled brush. And so your brush isn't going to be like sitting in the bottom of your paint when you need to take a break or something. It'll just pop right inside your cup. So I love that tool. I love that same brush you're talking about. When I started painting, my mom was like, this is the brush that you will use for everything, (laughs) for all the cutting in. I don't know if you guys use painter's tape. I don't ever use painter's tape. Not anymore. Yeah, you don't need it with this brush. Yeah, Mm -mm. it's so nice. I was recently helping a friend paint and she had taped off all the trim, all the baseboards, the windows, the ceiling, the whole thing. And I was like, this paintbrush, this is the one, this is all you need. And you don't have to worry about tape anymore. I remember I posted it on Instagram one time that I was painting and I had like a picture of the paintbrush and I got like five people that messaged me. It was like, that's my favorite paintbrush. (laughs) (laughs) So if you're not using this guys, get it. We will (laughs) add links to you guys for like all these tools that'll make your life so much easier. I want to throw in a little bonus section for you girls. I know I'm going off the pre-list that we determined. However, if you girls have any tips, I think now would be a great time to share them to make your life easier. Like one thing um, I learned is taking like a thick piece of cardboard or cardstock and you can slip it underneath your baseboards in between like your carpet or whatever flooring you have and then take your Worcester brush and then paint the edge of the trim And then you just pull that cardboard out and you don't have to tape. You don't have to worry about getting paint on the carpet and it makes it so much easier. And then you just take that piece and slide it down, paint your trim, slide down, paint your trim. And it's so, so easy. So you're saying the cardboard fits underneath your trim? Yep. Well, then maybe you need like um, a thicker piece of cardstock instead of cardboard. It might be too thick to fit in that space. But this one is really good, especially if you have carpet. Because you just mush down the carpet and slide it underneath the trim and then paint. That's what I was going to say. I was like, I bet this is, you're talking about carpeted because we have nothing carpeted. It's all wooden. But a piece of cardstock is a really good idea. Have you guys been watching Chris Loves Julia's stories where she bought that product that she paints on her windows before she does like the wooden panels in her windows and it's this product is fantastic it just goes on clear ish kind of streaky and then you paint your trim and then you take a razor blade and this mask just peels right off and you have these crisp sharp lines I am totally doing this the next time I need to paint a window I do love the sharp lines but didn't it take her a little bit in the beginning like I remember she was like really having to work at it for a while that was in her front office area she just recently did this in her guest room and it came right off what'd she do differently I don't think she did it as thick oh okay she had like grids right which are very very difficult so she Hmm. yeah so she used that inside each of those grids it was really cool 
I wish I had known about that before I did my door because I have my front door has those and I tried taping. It was awful. But if some people do want to use tape, the best painter's tape is the green toad, green frog, whatever it's called. Frog Frog tape. There we go. That's the best tape. So there you go, guys. 10 tips and some bonus ones to help pick paint colors. We hope this was helpful and give you a little bit more information and how to pick paint colors. Okay, so for my pillow talk for this episode, I was listening to the A Beautiful Mess podcast and Elsie was, they were talking about their outdoor plans for spring and summer And Elsie had bought a bunch of real trees for her front porch, the greenhouse where she was buying them. They told her that she probably wouldn't be able to keep them alive because her porch doesn't get enough light. And sure enough, they all died. And so she replaced them with faux trees. So I went to the links that she put in the show notes, but they mostly came from a company that's called, what is it called? Like artificial silks. I'll put the link to this actual website in the show notes. But let me just say they were very expensive, like really expensive. And I get it because you're buying a a faux tree that's going to last forever and they're made to be so durable. You can actually put them outside and they won't fade in the sunlight and they can hold up to the weather and all of this stuff. I just couldn't swallow the idea of paying that much for faux trees for my front porch. So theirs were, I think they were like around $200 a tree. It was something crazy. It was a lot. I still love the idea of having faux trees on my front porch. I need some kind of greenery out there, especially since not too long ago, the railing on one side of the front porch fell off. The cement on the stairs just like crumbled enough that the railing fell off on one side. So it looks really sad. And I really needed something out there to make it look better. And keeping plants alive is still like not a huge forte of mine. So I did some Googling of faux trees, like using the descriptors from this other website that has a really nice one. So I was looking for like spruce tall bushes, like four feet spruce faux bushes, etc. And I found these on Amazon and I love them. They're still not super cheap. Like for two, it was, I think, $125, but that's for two. And they're four feet tall. They look really realistic. I wish you guys were here in person so you could see them. I really like them. So I have two four foot tall spruce trees. Maybe it's juniper. I don't remember, but I have two. Cedar? Maybe. I took a look at them. Did you know I actually have the same type of tree that I got for Christmas time? The fake ones. Yeah. Do you remember that? I love them. I think these look great, Emily. I'm so happy with them. I bought a little bush too, because then I just looked up this website on Amazon, the Silk Tree Warehouse, and they have all kinds of faux plants and faux trees. Some are better than others, but the two cedar ones that I got, I really, really like. Emily, these are great. What a great idea. But this is what I need to know because, so I bought the two cedar ones for my porch just to have like in my head I wanted it on my porch just for like Christmas time and then I was gonna do like you know flowering plants throughout like spring and summer because I felt like the cedar was more just a Christmassy looking look but what do you guys think is that an all year round look do you think 
I think so. And I think it also depends on what type of planter that you put it in. Yeah, because they're just in my basement, living in my basement now. When I took down all my Christmas stuff, I, I took my trees off the porch. Yeah, I think you could definitely make them a year-round thing. It's really brilliant because you can go to like Home Depot and buy them, the real ones, or Lowe's, or wherever, or a nursery, and they will. They'll die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like mine did. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they look great. Can't wait to see them on your porch when you get it all. Do you have them all set up already? I'm working on it. I've I've got the trees. I bought some baskets for them. They look really cute, but I do want to figure out like what else should go around them and kind of get the whole setup. Why? When you came to my house two weeks ago, you're like, "Are you using these baskets?" Can I? <laughs> what were you thinking of for your cedar trees? No. Oh, okay, because I use them for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Now all I need to find is a wreath for the front door. I was thinking something on the front door would be nice, but I haven't found any I like. Maybe a future seeking you shall find. There you go. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. We want to know what you thought of this episode and what you want us to talk about next. Find us on Instagram at dwellingplacepod. Please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Every single review is so appreciated and helps more people find us. Visit the show notes for the pictures and links to all the things we talked about today. We'll see you in two weeks right here at The Dwelling Place.